right after that comes up, we can start. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, good morning. I call the San Francisco Department of Disability and Aging Services Commission meeting of Wednesday, May 4th, 2022 to order. I am the DOS Commission President, Martha Knudsen. This commission meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor recently signed a new amendment to the Brown Act to allow continued use of teleconferencing for public meetings during a state of emergency, provided that commissions such as ours make certain findings. To comply with this legal requirement, items five and six on this morning's agenda is the request to consider whether continued use of teleconferencing will minimize health risks and whether our commission is able to use teleconferencing in a manner that allows public participation and transparency. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and the staff who are watching us live on sfgovtv. The commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the, the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Uh, Secretary, can you please take the roll? Thank you, President Knudsen. Commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. President Martha Knudsen. Present. Vice President Janet Spears. Present. Commissioner Sasha Bittner. Present. Commissioner Wanda Jung. Present. Commissioner Michelle Carrington. Commissioner Nelson Lum. Not present. Commissioner Barbara Scar has an excused absence this morning. And DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman. Present. President Knudsen, we have a quorum. Great. Thank you so much. Commissioners, the next item, item three, is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during public comment. Both channel 78 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-415. 665-0001 using access code 2485-746-9083 pound and then pound again. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. 
When your item of interest comes up, dial star three to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You'll be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you'll be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, public comment can be submitted by email to myself, Ravi, R-A-V-I dot Durbej dot D-U-R-B-E-E-J at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are there any communications from the DOS commission members? Okay. We can move to the next item. We'll go home. Thank you so much. Commissioners, your next item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of Wednesday, April 6, 2022, DOS Commission meeting, uh, which you received in your docket, so you had a chance to review. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the Wednesday, April 6, 2022, DOS Commission meetings? And let me just note that they were amended by Commissioner Jung, which, and those amendments have been incorporated into the minutes, so that the minutes, as you've read them, are... Uh, minutes as amended, but they have been reviewed and properly noticed. Um, so there, are there any other uh, comments or additions by commissioners? And Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you, moderator. That concludes the members of the public that wish to address the commission under this item. Great. Thank you. Then hearing no further request to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, April 6, 2022 DOS, DOS Commission meeting, meeting minutes? Commissioner Jung and a second. Second. From Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, please take a roll call vote to approve the Wednesday, April 6, 2022 DOS Commission meeting minutes. President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Uh, we have a unanimous vote. Great, then thank you for that. Commissioners, your next item is agenda item five, which is a resolution to hold in-person meetings with some members possibly appearing remotely. Are there any uh, comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? Then hearing none, um, do we have anybody from the public who wishes to make a comment on this resolution? Is so anyone in the public who wishes to comment today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit the request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you, moderator. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item five, which is a resolution to hold in-person meetings with some per members possibly appearing remotely? I move. Great. Thank you, Commissioner Bittner. Second. Second by Vice President Spears. Uh, could we have a roll call, please? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. President, Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Bittner, how do you vote? Yes, yes, yes. 
Commissioner Wandajong, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much. Um, commissioners, your next item is agenda item six, which is an authorization to allow third party presenters who are not city employees to attend commission meetings virtually pending any California government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? Right. And do we have any uh, public, anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Is there anyone in the public that wishes to comment this morning? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you, moderator. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item six, which is an authorization to allow third party presenters who are not city employees to attend commission meetings virtually pending any California government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation? I'll move. Great, thank you, Commissioner Bittner. Second from Commissioner Jung. Um, could we please have a roll call? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. We have a we have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much. Um, commissioners, item seven is the executive director's report and welcome executive director Jim. Good morning, thank you. Um, President Knudsen, Vice President Spears. Um, I really uh, appreciate this opportunity to give you a few updates. Um, in terms of the federal updates, uh, we now know the U.S. aging, which is formally in 4A budget priorities for 2022. First is to promote successful healthy aging in the community by supporting the community-based options that make it possible for older adults to age well and safely at home and in the community, and for caregivers to get the help they need and for communities to be better equipped to support an aging nation. This um, can... The, the more particular issues are supporting family caregivers, addressing social isolation and loneliness, um, looking at transportation options, evidence-based prevention and wellness, and elder justice. Secondly, um, a priority is connecting healthcare and aging sectors to improve care and reduce costs. Um, this will be by recognizing and protecting the pivotal role that AAAs play in addressing the social determinants of health and bridging the gaps between the acute care, behavioral health, and long-term services and support systems to improve health outcomes and reduce health care costs. This looks like new integrated care models that must build on, not supplant or exploit the existing experts and systems in the aging network. Medicare and addressing social determinants of health through supplemental benefits and Medicare Advantage, preserving and expanding care options in traditional Medicare, and non-biased selection and beneficiary education is essential. Um, looking at state health, state health insurance assistant program assistance, excuse me, programs and telehealth. Lastly, a priority is to strengthen systems to support an aging America by creating pathways to successful aging for everyone by supporting the workforce, technology, disaster preparedness, and other infrastructure needs that our nation's demographics demand. 
On the state level, we're looking at the master plan for aging and the impact committee, which is the implementing the master plan for aging in California together, recommends that the year two implementation should focus on two big issues that will have the most impact. One is building a system of care and, two, and ending older adult homelessness. The committee is also calling for an even stronger focus on equity and continued engagement from the governor in promoting understanding of and support for the plan among the public. C4A is pushing forward with CDA for stable funding for ADRCs, which are age and disability resource centers. I know that was a bunch of um, acronyms. Um, the governor's May revise is right around the corner uh, we're thinking it's going to be released next week. And C4A is working with legislators advocating for support of funding. Also, um, we're working with the State Association to learn more about how AAAs are connecting with CalAIM. On the local level, many of you have likely heard that Laguna Honda unfortunately lost their status with CMS to participate in the Medicare and Medicaid programs. However, the facility has not lost their license to operate as a skilled nursing facility, and they currently are still receiving reimbursement for existing residents. So just to clear up a little bit, certification is about payment. Um, Laguna Honda has to be certified to get payment from Medicare or Medi-Cal. Licensure allows them to provide skilled services. So if people want to pay privately, they can receive services. If someone like the city wants to pick up the tab for all the Medicare and Medi-Cal clients, they can. Licensure allows them to stay open for business. They just won't get paid by Medicare or Medi-Cal. So DOS is in close contact with Laguna Honda on this most critical situation. 114 Laguna Honda residents are under conservatorship through the Office of the Public Guardian and Public Conservator, and we are monitoring the care of these individuals. The long-term care ombudsman is working hard to have an active presence at the facility in order to talk with residents who might be experiencing distress as a result of this situation and also to respond to complaints. DPH is assuring stakeholders that Laguna Honda will not close. The biggest change to their operations will be that they must pause new admissions. They are working hard to achieve recertification with CMS. Fortunately, Laguna Honda anticipates that they will be able to conditionally participate in the Medicare and Medicaid programs while they work towards recertification. In terms of CalAIM, we're having conversations with DPH and other stakeholders on trying to connect more with the health plans regarding CalAIM. In addition to some AAA services that we think fit into community services within CalAIM, we also support some intensive case management that we think is very similar to their enhanced case management, especially for the phase starting in January, which is preventing institutional care. May 1st began the expansion of Medi-Cal and CalFresh to people over 50 who are undocumented. This expansion also includes access to IHSS for individuals with functional needs. We are discussing ways DOS might support getting the messaging out to these populations. May is also Older Americans Month. Please save the date of May 26th from 1030 to 12 for a celebratory event. The highlights will include a brief history of the Older Americans Act, presentation on some select CBOs and how they pivoted programs during the pandemic, 
and reframing aging, including a presentation on the 80 over 80 project. And that's all I have. Great, thank you so much. Um, are there any questions from the commissioners on this? Well, thank you, uh, especially for the update on Laguna Honda, which I think we were all concerned about. And so are we. It's good to hear about all the assistance that we're getting for that. So thank you. Um, and I think we can move on to agenda item eight, which is DOS employee recognition. Commissioners, item eight is the DOS employee recognition. Executive Director Dearman, President Knudsen, and the DOS Commission will honor Lisa McCarthy, who's a social worker with IHSS at DOS. So congratulations to Lisa McCarthy. Um, Lisa has been a social worker with IHSS since 2006 and is an amazing person and social worker. She continuously displays an unwavering dedication to her 300 recipient caseload, approaching all of her clients with compassion, patience, and respect. She has a gift with fostering and nurturing relationships with both her clients and colleagues, and is an advocate and often a sole voice to empower those who cannot advocate for themselves. Lisa is an invaluable asset to this program, the department, and to all of the clients and colleagues that have the pleasure of knowing her. She is also well known for always going above and beyond by volunteering to lend a helping hand with cases, unit coverage, and answering general IHSS inquiries to those in the community who call her. However, when Lisa receives recognition for her great work and efforts, she will always view it as a normal day's work. Because of these reasons and much more, Lisa is the true definition of a social worker. We are so proud of her and congratulate her on being May's Employee of the Month. I just want to note Lisa is joining us virtually today. And Lisa, did, and we appreciate as a commission all the work that you do. Again, I think an unsung heroine in this situation. Uh, that is so, so critical to people that really matter to us. So thank you for your work. And I'm so pleased to see you being recognized today. Um, so did you want to make some comments? Yes, please. Sure. Um, I first of all want to thank the DOS Commission for this honor and the Executive Director, Kelly Dearman. Um, I'm, I'm nervous. <laughs> <laughs> when I was first hired um, for IHSS, I had not been a social worker for eight years. So I was kind of getting back into my career and um, it was a little rocky at first, but I, I was able to do it. Um, it's always been my desire, a very strong desire to help people. And um, that is what I want to do in life. Um, and I get to do this in my job every day. Um, I hope that I'm making a difference doing what I'm doing and I'm trying to make a difference one person at a time. Um, it's exciting to have a job where I get to learn something new all the time. And I, I really enjoy that. Um, the clients I meet are very interesting. They have such amazing life stories. It's, it's just incredible some of the people I meet. Um, and it also being at IHSS has given me the zest to be a social worker and to help people. Um, but I can't talk to you about my position without bringing up all the people I work with and how crucial and how important they are to my position and my job. Um, it, they make it fun and enjoyable to, to be at work. They also make me want to come to work every day. Um, 
If it wasn't for the clerks, the admins, QA, IPAC, there's so many people that all play a part in what I do every day and help me do my job and help clients every day. Um, we all work together. And that was the amazing thing is that during the pandemic, I saw everybody working so hard and pulling together and doing things that we usually don't do to help clients. Um, and I also have to bring up the supervisors that I've had. Um, each of them have taught me something different and they've played a major part of my life and my career at IHSS. Um, it is a privilege to work at the city and to work with all the people that I've worked with. Um, I would also like to single out one particular person. Um, if it wasn't for this person, I would not be here today. Toshio Westland has been my supervisor for several years. Um, I admire him greatly as a social worker, a supervisor, and as a person. He is always there to support me and my unit. He is the first one that will grab whatever needs to be done and get stuff done to, to help people. He puts all the clients first. Um, he sets an amazing example and it's very high and it's really hard to be, I really, I would like to be a person like him. Um, and I also, um, it's really hard to articulate how I feel in words and it's just very unusual to um, be recognized. I really greatly appreciate it. Um, so I, again, I want to thank you so much for this honor. Well, I just want to say thank you, Lisa, and uh, thank you for your most articulate presentation of what you do. It always is the high point of our meeting to meet employees and especially distinguished ones. Um, thank, and th thank you for everything you do. So thank you very much. I also wanted to note, I think we've been joined by uh, Commissioner Lum, so we have that to add to our quorum. Um, then I think we're ready for item nine. Commissioners, item nine is the advisory council report presented by the advisory council president, Diane Lawrence. And I'm going to note that uh, uh, Ms. Lawrence is on a well-deserved vacation, which she informed us about last uh, month. She has submitted a report that was part of our commissioner's docket. So do we, if we have any questions for her at all, we could uh, present them now. And uh, conveniently enough, our secretary is the secretary to the advisory committee. So uh, uh, Ravi can take those questions back if we have any for her. And that would serve also for item 10, which is the joint legislative report. So was there anything we wanted to convey back at this point? Okay, nothing. All right, just maybe tell her thank you very much for the thorough report. <laughs> and that she certainly did. And we appreciate it being kept up to date. Um, so we don't have any of those and we'll move on to uh, item 11. Commissioners, item 11 is the case report presented by Daniel Gallagher. Um, He's right here. He's right here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, commissioners. Good morning. Nice to see everybody in person. Um, I'll be very brief. In, in my report, um, case programming 
in May, uh, Chip Supernich uh, of the HIV and Aging Committee and the Steering Committee from Getting to Zero Consortium uh, will be making a presentation focused on trauma-informed care um, with the hope to engage outside organizations of, of CASE to better understand the mental health landscape for older adults, identify service gaps, share data regarding community input around the need, of course, advocating for more funding and building and strengthening community partnerships. So we find this to be a really relevant uh, presentation in May. We're really looking forward to it. We also, we all know the increased need for mental health services for older adults and adults that are disabled and those who are isolated, um, especially with the pandemic. So we're really looking forward to this um, to this program by uh, Chip Stupinich. Um, with the uh, Dawson case collaboration, um, we are working with Mike Zog uh, for uh, a possible webinar uh, that we're um, just discussing now or reopening in San Francisco, nonprofits reopening in San Francisco. Um, I know Mike is planning to uh, attend the case congregate reopening discussion group that we have to take a look and see if that's um, something that we should be doing here in the, in the near future. I want to mention the the Dignity Fund Coalition budget proposal that case continues to support. Again, this is the Keep Us Connected campaign uh, for $3.5 million a year for the next two years. Um, and I, I believe you have the information on that already. And then lastly, the service provider working group next meeting is scheduled for May 25th in conjunction with the Dignity Fund Coalition meeting on that same day. And that concludes our report. Great, thank you very much. And again, thank you for submitting your report uh, to us beforehand. So we always have a chance to take a look at it. We appreciate that. And any comments or questions from the commission? Okay, then I think we could, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for all that. Um, then we can move to um, item 13. Item 12. Commissioner. Uh, 12, sorry. Item 12 is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderators, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you, moderator. Commissioners, your next item is item 13, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. Seeing no, no old business, I'll hand it over to President Knudsen to call the next item. Okay, great. And I apologize about not getting close enough to this mic. I think WebEx is a little uh, frustrated with me right now. So hopefully this will be a little bit better. better. Is it better? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> right. um, commissioners, the next agenda item is item 14, new business. The first item is oh, informational only. Items 14B and 14K are action items that require a vote by the commission. So the first item is 14A, presentation of the Community Living Fund six-month 
report and the annual report. Um, and Fanny Lapitan will be presenting this item and welcome, Ms. Lapitan. Thank you, good morning. Uh, good morning, commissioners and executive director, Dearman. Let me know if I... I think we have to do the same thing. Just, okay. Just hang on to that microphone. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. That's fine. And with the mask, I, I can just want to make sure you hear me clearly. Okay. Okay, great. Um, so again, my name is Fanny Lapitan, Program Manager for the Office of Community Partnerships. Um, I'm here to present to you today the Community Living Fund six-month report that's uh, covering July through December 2021 and the CLF annual plan for fiscal year 22-23. Uh, the Community Living Fund, or CLF, was created in 2006 through a San Francisco ordinance to support aging in place and community placement alternatives for people who would otherwise require, require care within an institution. A section in the San Francisco Administrative Code requires that DOS report um, CLF's level of services and cost every six months, along with an annual plan, uh, for the continued implementation of the program. Um, so my report today is uh, fulfilling this requirement. CLF provides home and community-based services uh, using a two-pronged approach of coordinated case management and purchase of goods and services. The Institute on Aging or IOA is currently our contracted service provider for these services. The program serves um, San Francisco adult residents with income up to 300% of the federal poverty level. Individuals must be willing and able to live in the community with appropriate supports, and they have to have a demonstrated need for a service or resource that will enable them to live in the community safely and prevent institutionalization. Um, the full program eligibility criteria is available in the annual plan um, Appendix A. Target population includes individuals ready for discharge from Laguna Honda Hospital, uh, Zuckerberg San Francisco General, and other San Francisco skilled nursing facilities, um, or individuals who are at imminent risk of institutional placement but are willing and able to remain in the community with wraparound services. The Community Living Fund program currently includes uh, the PG Housing Fund um, that specifically provides housing subsidy and assistance to individuals conserved by a public guardian um, and who also meet CLF criteria. And then the fund also provides housing subsidy support through Brilliant Corners, our community um, contracted community partner that administers rental subsidy and helps acquire scattered site housing units throughout San Francisco. So I'll be quickly highlighting just a few notable um, information from the two reports. So in the six month report, again, covering July through December, 2021, CLF received a total of 80 new referrals during this period. About 59% of those referred were eligible and uh, those who were eligible were approved and received services. Uh, CLF served a total of 282 participants um, during this period, with 70% receiving intensive case management and purchase of equipment and services through IOA. Uh, 101 of these also received rental subsidy through um, brilliant, brilliant Corners. Trends in ethnic profile continues to be uh, remain generally consistent with prior periods. Referrals for um, white individuals remain the largest group at 35%. Uh, black and African-American referrals are at 21%, um, Latinx at 11%, and um, Asian and Pacific Islander referrals at 
Also during this uh, reporting period, CLF continued to support the DOS Public Guardian Office through the PG Housing Fund um, by providing housing subsidies and assistance to um, six conserved participants. The most common self-reported service need during this period um, also remained consistent with prior periods. Uh, the highest would be um, case management at 62%, in-home support is second highest at 57%, and then uh, we have housing-related services at 47%. As for program cost, um, this reporting period shows a decrease in program costs in all categories compared to prior period. Um, if we exclude the costs for home care and rental subsidies, which are the highest um, costs, um, the average monthly would be the average monthly for CLF participants who received any purchased goods or service would be $82 per month. Uh, with home care cost and rental subsidy, that average is $2,295 per month. Uh, finally, for the six-month report, as of April 2022, the CLF waitlist was at 24 referrals uh, waiting to be assigned. On average, these individuals have been waiting for 14 days. Um, approximately 80% of them are waiting for intensive case management, and then the rest are waiting for um, purchase of goods or purchase of service only. Uh, the wait list is shorter than previous period, and more notably, um, the wait time is significantly shorter than, than before. And then for the second report, the CLF annual plan, uh, that's for next fiscal year, um, July 2022 through June 2023, CLF will continue um, the integrated housing model to facilitate the care coordination and transition of individuals from Laguna Honda Hospital or other San Francisco SNF to um, scattered site housing in the community. Again, scattered site housing is um, Scatter Site Housing and Rental Subsidy Administration is uh, a collaboration with Brilliant Corners. Um, the CLF program hosts a monthly multidisciplinary team meeting, which includes DOS, Brilliant Corners, IOA, and Laguna Honda to discuss referrals um, and needs of the clients for a successful discharge into the community. CLF also continue to support um, the animal bonding services for isolated LGBTQ plus older adults and adults with disabilities through Shanti Projects PAWS, which stands for Pets Are Wonderful Support. For many, pets are considered family members and individuals often delay or forgo their own needs in order to meet their pets' needs. Um, CLF helps uh, increase the capacity of PAWS to assist low-income, frail individuals who meet CLF eligibility by funding uh, purchase of tangible goods and services um, such as pet food, pet supplies, and vet services. In the next fiscal year, um, CLF will also continue its rapid transitions team, uh, which provides a modified tra fast track process for assessment and enrollment of individuals who are um, placed in shelter in place or SIP hotel sites throughout the city. This team um, was formed as a response to the COVID-19 pandemic and will continue to support participants' stabilization and coordination of care at the SIP sites until they are no longer needed. And then finally, um, during this fiscal year, CLF re-established the utilization of the California Community Transitions or CCT program 
uh, to leverage supplemental funding through Medi-Cal and expand um, CLF's ability to support a larger number of participants in, in the community. Um, IOA has been collaborating with the California Department of Healthcare Services since September uh, to support CCT enrollment of Medi-Cal beneficiaries that can um, transition from facilities to community settings. Uh, since then, we've had four CLF participants um, who have submitted applications to DHS for CCT. Um, and going into the next fiscal year, we um, expect to see an increase in the number of CLF participants enrolling in that program um, as, as the CCT process is implemented in the CLF assessment. So um, at this time, I'd be happy to answer any question the commissioners may have about the reports. Okay, great. Thank you so much for both reports. We're recognizing the fact that there was an annual report in addition to the usual report we get. Any uh, comments or from or questions from commissioners on this, uh, Commissioner Jung? Thank you very much for an excellent report. Uh, I just actually have a comment in reviewing the report under uh, systemic changes and trends. I was very pleased to see that there is. Um, improvements to outreach um, to increase access for the API and LGBTQ communities. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, about how to improve outreach in, in all the, uh, with uh, dignity needs assessment and so forth. And I was just really pleased to see um, that there is a good partnership being formed and that there is um, uh, are, uh, more outreach efforts being made to that community, to the, both of those communities. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Jung. Yeah, I also was going to, uh, please, no, Vice go President Spears. No, go ahead. Okay, um, I may have missed this, but uh, you, you made a point to say that the costs have gone down over time. And could you just comment a little bit further on, I may have missed it within the report, yeah. but how the costs are actually going yeah. down over so during the, the reporting period, was, which is July through December 2021, uh, the cost uh, for CLF participants have decreased compared to previous periods. And I believe that would really also be uh, reflective of um, the lower number of participants that we've enrolled during that, that period uh, in particular um, because of the pandemic. Um, there's just been a decrease in enrollment and uh, referrals and enrollment as well. So I think those are um, somehow related in that the cost is, has also decreased. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I also was gonna mention the fact that we appreciate the increased outreach to the API and also the LGBTQ plus community. So, and thank you for putting that into the report. So I think it's, it's great. Thank you very much. And again, we, um, uh, this is, was informational only, so we don't take a vote. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, I'm sorry. We do need to have public comment on it, though. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the Community Living Fund six-month report and annual plan? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the Community Living Fund six-month report and annual plan. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, now, th thank you. <laughs> right, um, we'll close public comment. Uh, commissioners, uh, items 14B and 14K are action items that do require a vote by the commission. 
And our first is uh, item 14B is the review and approval of the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment. And Melissa McGee is presenting this item and joining us uh, virtually on what, from WebEx. Thank, uh, welcome, Ms. McGee. Hi, thank you. Uh, good morning, President Knudsen, Commissioners, Director Dearman, and I apologize for having to join remotely today. Um, my name is Melissa McGee, Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships. I'm here this morning to request your approval of the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment as the follow-up to the public hearing on April 6. The Dignity Fund legislation outlined a planning process that began in fiscal year 1718 and repeats every fourth fiscal year. <clears throat> this is the second four-year community needs assessment representing the start of the current planning process. Findings from this needs assessment will inform the development of the service and allocation plan over the upcoming fiscal year to assist the department in funding program priorities for the next four-year cycle. These funding priorities will begin with fiscal year 23-24. All commissioners received both the complete assessment as well as the executive summary. Key findings and recommendations are outlined in the executive summary and in more detail in the full report with explanatory appendices. The report has also been distributed widely throughout the community and is posted on the HSA website. The Dignity Fund Oversight Advisory Committee discussed the report following a presentation by the consultant, RDA, at their March 21st meeting. This meeting was open to the public. A public hearing with the Disability and Aging Services Commission and the Oversight Advisory Committee was held on April 6th, which included a presentation by RDA, comments and questions and answers from commissioners and OAC members and public comment. For your information, the DFCNA Community Needs Assessment will also be presented to the Board of Supervisors Budget and Finance Committee by Director Dearman on June 15th, followed by a resolution by the board accepting and adopting the DFCNA. Uh, thank you, and are there any questions? Are there any questions? Uh, thank you, Ms. McGee, and especially it represents a great deal of work on your part. So we want to uh, thank you and also do acknowledge the fact that there's been extensive uh, a review of this, chance for public comments, chance for uh, uh, commission input, and uh, the Dignity Advisory Board also uh, had a chance to have a significant input. Uh, so are there any additional comments by commissioners at this time on it? Okay. Um, then do we have anybody from the public that would like to comment on the, re on the review and approval of the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment? If we could call for public comment. Are there members of the public that would like to comment on the review and approval of the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment? That's okay. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the review and approval of the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit the request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Thank you. All right, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we will close public comment. Is there a motion uh, to approve item B from commissioners? Commissioner? I move. Great, Commissioner uh, Bittner is gonna move. Uh, second from uh, Commissioner Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item B? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. 
Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you very much. And we'll, I think our next step is taking it to the Board of Supervisors. So uh, there'll be, uh, thank you for Executive Director for presenting that th at that time. And I'm sure you'll let us know how it all turns out. <laughs> thank you. Um, then the next order of business is agenda item C and requi does require a vote by the commission. It's going to be requesting authorization to enter into a new grant with Curry Senior Center for the provision of LGBT plus mental health connections and technology support during the period of May 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2024 in the amount of $1,300,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,430,000 and uh, Mr. Michael Zog will be presenting the item and welcome Mr. Zog. Good morning commissioners. Uh, good morning uh, Executive Director Dearman. I'm Mike Zog. I'm the Program Director of Office Community Partnerships, part of DOS. And I, I just want to make sure, you are, is he being heard on Am I being heard? Web WebEx? A little closer. Oh, it's, yeah, it's, that's good. Mind my, don't mind there my there you go. It's casual a, posture. The microphones <laughs> are challenged in uh, hearing room 416. So okay, all right. Um, I'm, anyways, well, maybe I'll stand back for a second because I'm very excited about this next item, which is actually the launch of a brand new program um, with DOS and, and our community uh, partners. This is our, or the uh, LGBTQ uh, Mental Health Connection and Technology Support Program. Um, and I want to do a, do a quick digression away from it in a second and, and, and um, reference the um, LGBTQ Older Adult Survey, which I cited in the background section of the memo. And I think I, want, I wanted to bring that to your attention because during the pandemic, um, we had some community uh, uh, members uh, lead this uh, uh, survey of the community to measure the impact of the pandemic and shelter in place um, uh, uh, requirements on the LGBTQ uh, community and older adults uh, in that community in particular. Um, the results in that in that report are very clear uh, that the impacts were there and they were severe. Um, I think that that report is a wonderful thing to reference. I've just put a couple of, of, of the big headlines in that report, but it is quite in depth. Um, and I want to Acknowledge that report as something that raises awareness about issues um, beyond just DOS, but you know, citywide, and really brings attention to issues, um, and can really get things moving towards um, uh, new programs like this um, that are attempts to to address issues uh, in the community. Um, and I want to acknowledge a couple of the folks that were key in getting that put out. Um, that was Dr. Marcy Edelman, uh, Tom Nolan, Jesus Guillen. Uh, and Dr. Karen Scoltetti um, from Open House as well, um, as well as probably others I have forgotten, but I wanted to give them kind of some, some props and also acknowledge that they did this all in the spring of 2021 during the pandemic. So a busy time um, and they were able to go out and engage with the community and, and bring back this, this really relevant uh, uh, information. Um, the packet before you today, I think we kind of boiled down the program into contractual jargon and deliverables and things like that. But I do want to say that it was one that was built, um, had been, you know, the program design had been worked on for mu much of 2021 in the community. Um, our, uh, our lead here, Curry, worked um, in collaboration with other organizations and with the use of a uh, project manager to 
seek input and guidance from community stakeholders and participants to think about what the needs are and how to design a program that's gonna go out there and try to get at those needs. Um, the, the, the need here in particular and the primary focus of the design when it kind of started was looking at um, uh, mental health services for the LGBTQ community, um, reducing barriers to accessing mental health services, as well as building up capacity and resources in the community. Um, so there are sort of more practitioners and, and places for people to go to access those services. I think quickly along the way, I don't know if it was realized from the outset or quickly along the way, they realized the importance of technology and telehealth services as a way to both reduce barriers for accessing services, but also build up that capacity of providers in the surrounding area who can provide um, provide those services to, to clients accessing uh, the services. Um, all that being said, I think there are, to sum up my elevator pitch on, on what this program looks like, there's a lot of moving parts, but I think the two big components here are the mental health connections aspect, where um, our lead, Curry, is going to go out there and recruit in professionals um, uh, uh, to provide mental health uh, therapy services in both uh, group and individual um, sort of modalities. There's also gonna be a stipend aspect of it for providers um, to help uh, ensure uh, retention and sustainability of participants um, or providers providing that services. They're also going to um, develop um, training modules to help increase um, competencies of providers in working with the LGBT uh, community, which I think is great. And again, building this capacity and resources. Um, they will also um, then develop a, a, a sort of an online and an outreach program to bring clients in coupled with um, the use of a referral database system to more efficiently link clients between sort of entry of the service in with providers and to be able to track and ensure that that connection has happened. Other big branch of this thing is the technology support. And I think that really centers around the tech navigator position who is gonna be doing lots of different things. Um, uh, primarily serving as, as, a, as a contact point for um, technology support um, and will be empowered to assess people coming in to assess their sort of technology needs and skill levels, um, connect them with actual devices and internet connectivity as needed, um, connect them with, um, develop and connect them with classes that are ongoing at Curry to help build up those skills. Um, and perhaps maybe most importantly, be there um, uh, for one-on-one -on -one support with little, how do I do this? How do I do that? Which which is actually also a very um, a popular uh, uh, kind of need when people need just one little question about their how to use their device and things like that. So um, I think that's kind of my my summary there. I think um, I'll end there, and I'll I'll open it to if you guys have any questions. Now we can we can detect your enthusiasm for this project, and I I echo it. So thank you so much for the level of detail. Uh, I read through the entire proposal and was very excited to see that we had asked just within a year uh, through a survey, our community recognized how acute that was for people who are particularly lonely and that's a particular issue in our community. And then uh, that need, uh, and, and then we're all learning so much how 
how important the technology is to that. It, it's, it is our future. Social services, the future is how do we connect people with technology to get to making sure we have those, they have those services. So it's again, not just a model program for the LGBT community, I think, but also for sort of future uh, mental health assistance and, and social work programs in general. So um, I, I'm, I'm detecting your enthusiasm, and I think <laughs> we all are. Uh, but any other comments from other commissioners? Commissioner Jung. I also join in this with this excitement and look, this is, uh, I think, and, and really Commissioner the lines, you can feel the excitement. It's, it's Excuse me, Commissioner Jung. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, thank you. Is that better? Yeah. Yes. Um, I was just saying, I'm also very excited. Um, in reading between the lines with the contract, I can see a lot of work and thoughts um, planning have gone into, you know, how to make this happen. And it's just so exciting because it's meeting an identified need. I love the outreach portion, especially that warm referral. Too often we have these kind of uh, referrals, you know, in, 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 you know, kind of in a big hole, but there's actually uh, provisions for a warm referral in terms of developing MOUs with, with agencies. And I think that's really efficient and effective. And then also the, the other part that I really like is the fact that there's uh, funds in this contract to allow for independent uh, research so that you can measure the impact so that we can learn from this and be able to use this model, hopefully um, in, in other communities as well. So thank you, excellent work. Commissioner, Vice President Spears. Amen, drop the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, very pleased to see this going forward. Um, uh, in my day job, I we were able to do some of the initial funding for the research mm -hmm. um, to get this moving forward. So I'm so happy that it has moved forward so quickly. Um, I, I am I'm pleased to see the system change and to see systematic changes uh, with a bit of research and a little bit of um, uh, initial uh, funding. So that happened from the um, foundation. So thank you so much for moving this forward so quickly. Mm -hmm. Any other commissioners? We have two on uh, in WebEx. Any additional comments? Okay, then are there any members of the public who'd like to comment on item C? We could open up public comment. Mr. Are Secretary. there any members of the public that would like to comment on item C? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item C. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion from commissioners to approve item C? Uh, from Commissioner Jung and the second from Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item C? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. All right, thank you, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item D and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant with the ARC-SF for the provision of supportive employment services program during the period of May 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2022 in the amount of 40,000 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $359,145. And uh, Mr. Justin Chico will be 
be presenting this item and he is joining us virtually and thank you for uh, joining us. Welcome. Good morning. Good morning, President Knudsen, fellow commissioners and executive director Dearman. My name is Justin Chico, management assistant with the Office of the Community Partnerships. The ARC San Francisco's Supportive Employment Services Program continues to create employment opportunities for adults with developmental disabilities so that they may progress to unassisted employment. The ARC San Francisco, through the grant, provides supervised and supported work within six HSA-owned buildings. The work provided is the cleaning of office spaces and equipment and sorting and consolidating of waste and recyclables. This grant not only advances inclusionary practices in the work setting, but also empowers its participants and provides an economic benefit. The modification for the ARC San Francisco that is being requested is to meet the increased demand for the services through the rest of fiscal year 2021 through 2022 and will be funded by one-time only dignity fund savings. The need for this service was higher than originally anticipated for the year, and this funding will help maintain the services at a level that HSA requests and the grantee is prepared to deliver. The funding also helps DOS avoid having to reduce hours. Under this modification, the ARC San Francisco will provide an additional 940 service slash participant hours and an additional 279 hours of on-site supervision to the ARC participants. Thank you, and I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have at this time. Great. Any comments or questions from the commissioners? Um, Commissioner Bittner. Yeah. I just want to say that I really am happy with doing this. I know I'm with the development of disability community and employment is I really use it here. We have a very high and employment rate. And um, I just wanted to say um, I'm supportive of this program. Thank you, Commissioner. Great. Thank, thank you, Commissioner. Any other comments? I was also just gratified to see that the this is because there's an increased request for the services, which was a good thing to see. Commissioner Lum. Uh, good morning. Are there any uh, preferences uh, being uh, being given or, uh, or considered uh, for those uh, participants who are veterans? You know what, uh, Commissioner Lum, I am not too sure if there is a certain preference, but I could definitely find out for you and get back to you on that for sure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Any other Commissioner, Commissioner Jung? I just have um, a brief comment. Um, one, I'm really pleased to see how successful this program is and that there's a continued need and increased need for it. And I'd also just want to um, compliment staff on uh, clearly explaining um, the modification uh, in terms of how the additional funds will be used. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you, Commissioner. Okay, thank you, commissioners. Um, is there anyone from the public who would like to make a comment on item D, if we could call for public comment, Mr. Secretary? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item D. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. 
Okay, then hearing no further request to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item D from commissioners? Mm -hmm. uh, commission Thank you. Uh, moved by Commissioner Bittner, a second, um, second. from Commissioner Jung. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item D? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item E and also requires a vote by the commission. It is requesting approval of a sole source waiver exception exemption and authorization to enter into a new sole source grant with Stepping Stone for the provision of enhanced care coordination for adult day healthcare for the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $3,278,345 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,606,180. Um, and Ms. Fanny Lapitan will be presenting this item. Welcome back. Thank you. Hello again, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. Uh, Fanny Lapitan, uh, Program Manager with the Office of Community Partnerships. Um, the item before you is a request to enter into a new grant with Stepping Stone Adult Day Healthcare to provide enhanced care coordination that will um, assist frail, low-income older adults and adults with disabilities maintain successful community living. Um, so Adult Day Healthcare, or ADHC, provides uh, a medical model of care through outpatient day program for individuals who would otherwise be at risk of needing institutional care. Um, Stepping Stone ADHC provides all the services and ADHC typically uh, inc includes um, such as an individualized care plan for participants' health needs, um, medication management, their nutrition, and also social engagement. But in addition, with this grant, they will also be providing the additional components of enhanced care coordination or ECC, uh, which will include um, clinical support. Individuals are provided additional support, um, clinical support at, uh, to ADHD participants to remove uh, barriers for attendance and um, compliance and to really maximize their overall health and uh, mental health uh, maintenance. These may include, um, but not limited to um, services that are administered by clinical staff, like the nursing staff, uh, social workers, the occupational therapists, uh, physical therapists, and also the program support staff, um, such as the activity coordinators and program aides. Um, the services are really beyond the state's uh, community-based um, adult services requirements, the CBAS requirements, but are necessary to manage the needs of the ADHD participants. Um, ECC also includes a component of community and outreach activities, um, which is really an essential part of ADHD awareness, uh, resource engagement, and community building. Activities um, would consist of uh, health education, there's uh, social events, and then other related activities that um, promote stability and successful community living. 
individuals um, who are both enrolled and not enrolled in ADHD are outreached to. There is a targeted outreach um, to individuals residing in the um, in permanent supportive housing at Mission Creek Senior Community, um, and also those in the adjacent senior housing buildings of um, that are adjacent to the centers to the ADHD centers. Um, the third component of ECC is really um, behavioral health services. This is when, uh, well, the behavioral health services is, um, is specifically for individuals residing at the Mission Creek Senior Community, um, which has a population of recently unhoused and frail uh, senior and adults with disabilities who additionally would need, um, who may need behavioral health services due to mental health or substance use issues. Um, the behavioral health specialist helps to ensure stability, uh, promotes housing retention, and also provides um, crisis intervention to address behavioral health issues as they arise. Um, enhanced care coordination bridges the gap for ADHD participants who often need additional care coordination services in order to um, successfully engage with the centers um, and utilize community resources and maintain independent living and um, ultimately prevent the premature institutionalization. The enhanced care coordination components do not duplicate existing services paid for by Medi-Cal or other funding streams, um, but we'll, we'll provide adjunct services for individuals that require more time, more resources, and more effort to maintain stability and, um, in the community. Stepping Stone ADHD will provide uh, enhanced care coordination at their locations at Mission Creek Senior Community, uh, the Mabini Center and Presentation Center. These centers are co-located with low-income senior housing and promote aging in place service model by having the services near and accessible to those who live there. Uh, these services were previously under the purview of the San Francisco Department of Public Health, uh, but are now overseen by DOS. So uh, with that, I wanna thank you for your time and I, I'm open to any questions. Did we have questions from commissioners? Um, Commissioner Jung? Oh, I just actually have a question. Question: um, Why the, the, there is that change? It was as you had just uh, stated. It was previously uh, under the preview Department of Public Health, but now it would be under DOS. Uh, is there a re what was the rationale for this change? It, it, I, I would I would say the rationale was because um, the target population is really older adults and adults with disabilities, so it's really under the purview of our department as opposed to general um, San Francisco Department of Health. Okay, thank you. And I had a question. This also seems like an, a new program, a, a, a new model perhaps of how we can start to address the issue of keeping people who have been um, most recently um, unhoused and, and the, providing them with the kind of um, support services they need. Um, so does the, that's how I read it. Does this present a, a, a a, a sort of a new model program, uh, it, it's new funding. So is it new to Stepping Stone? Is it sort of a new model? And also, is it a new location? So I, I kind of had three questions about, <laughs> yeah. about it that way. Those are great questions. Um, this is actually an existing model. Um, again, we've inherited it from San Francisco Department of Public Health. So this was part of their um, original project with direct access to housing, which is now um, permanent supportive housing. Um, so it, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a new model, but it's certainly a model that we can 
um, uh, adapt and maybe replicate um, with with funding available. Um, but um, Stepping Stone, we we have done we have a current grant with them for enhanced care coordination that is expiring this um, June, mm -hmm. um, and so this will be a continuation a new grant term for them. And was it a is it a new location being served? It, it's uh, it's still the same three uh, centers. Okay, yes. okay, that's what I meant. Yes. And where is Mission Creek? Just Mission Creek is fourth, um, and it's right by the ballpark. That's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Then just to fill in that picture a little bit for yes. us. Thank you so much. Yes. Any other questions from commissioners on that? Then do we have any um, one from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item E? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the agenda item E? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item E. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item E? moved from vice president spears has moved a second uh, from commissioner jung uh mr secretary can you please take the a roll call vote on this item president martha knutson how do you vote yes vice president janet spears how do you vote yes commissioner sasha bittner how do you vote yes commissioner wanda jung how do you vote yes commissioner nelson lum how do you vote yes we have a unanimous vote Great, thank you so much, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item F and also requires a vote by the commission. It is requesting authorization to enter a new contract with Unite Us for the provision of DOS online resource, for the provision of a DOS online resource directory for the time period of May 1st, 2022 to April 30th, 2025 in the amount of $798,750 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $800,000 $78,625. I'll get it right at some point in my life. All right. um, and uh, Cindy Kaufman is here to present the item. Uh, welcome, Ms. Kaufman. Thank you very much. Um, good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Cindy Kaufman, Deputy Director of Community Services within the department. I am very excited to finally be able to present this item before you. We have um, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is a grant with Unite Us for an online resource directory. For many years, residents, community providers, healthcare providers have expressed the need for an online resource directory. But this was a new venture for us. Um, so we hired a consultant to look at several things, including research into best practices in the development of online directories, engaging community stakeholders on consumer and provider needs, um, identifying potential challenges in developing, promoting, and maintaining a site, and then recommending functions and content areas that a directory should contain. That research informed our approach to what we actually needed. This project, see, I am too loud. <laughs> this project has truly been a partnership of program and our IT department. Our primary goal was simple. It was to provide a current online resource directory. But we also had a secondary wish and goal, if it was possible, 
which was to take it a step further, allowing linkages and coordination of services. I'm very happy to say we will be able to do both. So we are looking at this in two phases. The first phase is the actual resource directory. Unitas currently has a very comprehensive national public resource directory, which will provide immediate access to care and services, but they will also alter it to San Francisco. And they do this by meeting with community-based organizations interested in being listed. They try to have a better understanding of their operations in order to, for the directory to better meet their needs. In addition to the development of the directory, Unitas will also provide in-depth training to our CBOs on how to use the platform. Then once built, the directory will be supported and maintained by Unitas. In addition to having a solid community-based organizations, the user's perspective and experience is also very important. The directory will have what they call a person-centered design, meaning a person doesn't have to ha know the proper terminology. They don't have to have pre-knowledge of specific resources. They will have options as to how to search for things. These include autofill search bars, also a general service category that will break into subtypes. For example, if somebody is looking for food assistance, they can do a deeper dive into congregate meal sites or home delivered meals or pantries. Um, they'll also have the option of an interactive map that shows geographic location of relevant resources and be able to filter listings based on key information like location, hours of operation, languages spoken, phone numbers, and whether or not they have eligibility requirements. The Unitas platform will display across multiple screens, um, including tablets, smartphones, laptops. It is also accessible and it adheres to the World Wide Web recommendations and meeting web content accessibility guidelines. That's the first phase. The second phase of the project is actually the referrals. Unitas has the ability to provide both in-network and out-of-network referrals in partnerships with health plans, city agencies, community-based organizations. They also provide what's called a closed loop referral system, which means that people have the ability to see that an individual was actually connected to services. Um, in addition to referrals, the platform can also allow for completion of assessment and screening tools, and which can be shared with other organizations serving the same um, individual, which allows for better collaboration and communication amongst providers. These are some of the capabilities, but I want to reassure everyone, this type of access is based on permission. We will always want to ensure that personal health information and personally identifiable information are protected. So the platform not only provides improved data about an individual and the care they receive, but it will also provide us with aggregated data and dashboards for better information regarding areas of the city that are potential resource deserts or areas of specific community need. This data can then be part of our community needs assessment, as well as part of our service and allocation planning. So I will stop there um, and happy to answer any questions anybody has. 
Well, um, just congratulations. Um, this is, I have a previous life in, in IT and trying to get software going. So um, I, I don't want to do that job. So, <laughs> so I, but I want to say what you're, how you're describing this sounds like the kind of um, report, the, the kind of background and uh the kind of homework that you needed to do an extensive list of all of the things people have been asking for over the years. So we really appreciate the detail of your report today. I'm going to hand this off to if other commissioners have questions about it or anything. I don't have um, any questions. I, uh, I just uh, want to commissioner Bittner. Okay. And then, no, why don't sure. we do vice president Spears first and then commissioner Bittner. No, I'm just really pleased to see this, this moving forward. Um, I have been in my role for about five years and, I think one of the very first locations that I visited, uh, someone pulled out a big book and they opened it up and I yeah. said, this is how you search for information. And they said, yes. And I'm like, okay, this is not a long-term solution. So um, it is so, I am so happy to see this moving forward and it will make it much easier for everyone to provide a higher level of service to all of um, our participants. So thank you. Thank you. And Commissioner Bittner. Um, I want to go with these I think um, it's coming to be things to be done. People interact and um, and it will make it so much easier to find services. And um, remind me. And uh, my only small question is, well, would it be available in other languages besides English? I had the same question. I believe that is when is it going to be available, and what's the time? Is there a timeline? Yeah. Well, if that was your question, in other in other languages, in other languages yes. So that I w my understanding is is for us, we do want language capability. I don't have a lot of detail on that right now, but happy to, to get back to you. As far as a timeline goes, we are looking right now. The, the contract itself is across three years. And uh, initially we, we were looking at things separately. And now that we've combined it, I don't know exactly what it does to the, to the timeline, but in order to do due diligence and meeting with the community, there is some, some level of time involved in order to get this up and, and going. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know those things are usually embedded in the contract, so yeah. I'm trusting that, that, that it is. <laughs> so, all right, any other questions from the commissioners on that? All right, um, then do we have any uh, chance to um, have public comment on item F, if we could call for public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item F? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item F. We will allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. All right, then hearing no further request to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item F from commissioners? Thank you uh, from Commissioner Bittner and a second from Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item F? President Martha Knudsen, how do yes. you vote? Yes. <laughs> Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes, yes, yes. 
<laughs> Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much, commissioners. Thank you. And uh, good luck. I know this work has just started. I've been there, so good luck. <laughs> <laughs> commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item G and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Open House for the provision of the housing resource list during the period of July 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2026 in the amount of $108,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed 118000 $800. And Paolo Salta will be presenting this item. And uh, welcome, Mr. Salta. Thank you. Is that good? Is this good? Okay. Uh, yeah, you just have to hug that microphone. Just, yep. yeah, like it's attached to you. All right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good morning, Commissioners. That's uh, Dr. Good. Dr. Dearman. My name is Paolo Salta, analyst with the DOS Benefits and Resource Hub. This grant allows for the maintenance and dissemination of a list of affordable housing opportunities for older adults and adults with disabilities. Open House will update and distribute the housing resource list by the fifth of every month, uh, 12 annually. They will systematically research active housing opportunities in San Francisco and nearby counties. This includes housing portals, county housing authorities, and housing management companies like Mercy Housing, Tenderloin Neighborhood Development Corporation, Bridge Housing, and Episcopal Senior Communities. This list will be shared via web, listservs, or mass email, and in print if requested. Open House will maintain a list of individuals and community-based organizations who will receive the housing resource list monthly. The grantee will annually increase the number of recipients by 10% through extensive outreach. Open House is the current grantee and has been providing this service for the past four years. The organization has been compliant of all grant requirements and are on track to meet this year's deliverables. An informal bid was conducted in February for the new term and Open House was selected in that process. I do wanna add that through other grants like the Aging and Disability Resource Center, Open House is able to support consumers that require additional housing support. Workshops twice a month are available, one-on-one -on -one counseling and follow-up sessions where staff and peer-to-peer -peer volunteers assist individuals in completing applications and improve their chances of success through financial coaching, debt management, and budgeting. I request your approval on this grant agreement and I'm open to answering any questions. Great, thank you so much. Are there any questions or comments from commissioners on this item? Seeing none, then are there uh, any public comment on item G? If we could call for public comment, please. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item G? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item G. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item G from commissioners? Commissioner Jung, a second? Second. A second from uh, Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item G? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. President Vi Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Com Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? 
Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much. Thank you. Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item F and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of aging and disabilities resource centers, ADRCs, for the period of May 1st, 2022 to the June 30th, 2022. 24 in the amount additional amount of $639,460 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $4,573,749 and uh, Sarah Hoferberg will be presenting this item and welcome. Hi, good morning. Does that work? I'm loud, so I feel like I don't need you, this. You, so am I, but you still got to hug <laughs> the mic. All right. Oh, that's okay. fun. Uh, okay. It's, it's, it's because of WebEx, so yeah. that okay. we needed to to communicate so we can successfully be connecting those people. So All right. I will okay. hug this mic. You got it. All okay, right. Thank you. Um, good morning, commissioners and executive director Dearman. My name is Sarah Hofferberg and I'm a program analyst with the Office of Community Partnerships. I'm excited to be here today to uh, request with a request to authorize $639,460 to support Chinese, Spanish, and Tagalog language capacity for the Aging and Disability Resource Center or ADRC network. ADRCs administer information, referral, assistance, and translation services at locations throughout San Francisco, providing crucial support. Oh my! <laughs> uh, providing crucial support for many older adults, adults with disabilities, and caregivers in the community. ADRC services are structured to ensure availability and accessibility throughout San Francisco with at least one ADRC in each of the supervisory districts, thereby providing services in the community where the client lives. This past December, the commission approved an item to increase language capacities at several ADRC locations. Mission Neighborhood Center ADRC in District 9 increased Spanish-speaking staffing levels and added a full-time Chinese-speaking staff person. Unlock ADRC in District 8 added a full-time Chinese-speaking staff person. These additions brought Chinese language capacity to these district ADRCs for the first time. Additionally, a full-time Chinese-speaking staff person was added to the self-help for the elderly network of ADRCs in Districts 3, 4, and 7. Based on client need, that staff person has transitioned to full-time at the Gienmun ADRC in District 3. Today's item will continue to fund these positions through the end of the contract in fiscal year 23-24. Today's request for authorization will also continue to add language capacity staffing to the ADRCs. The additional funding will add a full-time Tagalog-speaking staff person to the Sequoia Living ADRC in District 6 and a half-time Tagalog-speaking staff person to the Catholic Charities ADRC in District 11 through the end of the contract in fiscal year 23-24. These new additions will bring Tagalog language capacity to the ADRCs for the first time. These particular districts were identified as having large Tagalog speaking populations and adding these positions will help to address the specific language needs of the community. Because this is the first time either of these ADRCs will, providing, will be providing services in Tagalog, a significant amount of time during the next fiscal year will be spent on enhanced outreach within the Filipino community. Um, the Office of Community Partnership requests your approval for this budget modification. Thank you for your consideration, and I am happy to answer any questions the commission may have. Okay, thank you. And I think you got microphone like 100%. That was perfect. <laughs> that was perfect. Um, thank you. Thank you. Any questions or comments on this from commissioners? 
Commissioner Jung. I just want to comment that I'm very pleased that we're moving forward to uh, ensure that we do have bilingual staff in the different centers. It's so important to be able to directly communicate uh, with the, the, the different participants in those centers. And uh, you had mentioned that there will be outreach because um, the Tagalog speaking uh, support was, wasn't there before. Uh, has there been any discussion how that outreach will be handled? Uh, yeah, there's been uh, quite a bit of discussion. Um, in District 6, for example, at Sequoia Living, um, we've talked about staff people going into um, some of the Filipino senior resource centers and engaging with nonprofits within the community. Um, and then with Catholic Charities in District 11, um, we have some different exciting things um, that we're talking about. They have more of an active Filipino community already at the senior center where the ADRC is. But some of the things we've talked about are, um, well, for example, they have access to or they have a, a van and that they use to you know, pick up clients up and stuff like that. And actually including a route going through some of the neighborhoods that um, where Filipino population lives and um, having stops along that to actually bring clients into the center um, if there isn't necessarily a bus route that goes there. Um, also Catholic Charities, they are very involved in the community and are constantly out doing outreach. So it'll just be more of that with um, a Tagalog-speaking staff person. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Sounds great. Those sound like very terrific ideas, especially with a concern around public safety that we've also heard about, and um, especially on public transportation. So I think that's going to really help. That's good to hear. Um, any other questions, comments from other commissioners? Okay, then is there any public, uh, could we call for public comment on this agenda item? Are there any members of the public that like to comment on agenda item H? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item H. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, great. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item H from the commissioners? So moved. Uh, from Vice President Spears, a second from Commissioner Jung. Um, uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve uh, item H? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Y. Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Uh, thank you, commissioners. Thank you. Th thank you. Thank you. Um, the next order of business is agenda item I and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Glide Foundation for the provision of meal services for the Department of Disability and Aging Services clients during the period of July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2022 in the additional amount of $300,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $7,014,154. And Tiffany Kearney will be presenting this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, commissioners, executive director Dearman. My name is Tiffany Kearney. I am a program analyst. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> and the lead nutritionist uh, for the Office of Community Partnership within DOS. 
Um, I am asking the commission uh, to approve a modification to the grant agreement with Glide that supports their, oh boy, their free meals program. The modification adds $300,000 to the budget this year to help offset increased costs associated with providing meals to go. Glide's free meal program offers breakfast, lunch, and dinner 364 days of the year with a particular focus on serving low-income individuals living in the Tenderloin and South of Market neighborhoods. Glide serves some of the city's most vulnerable and food insecure populations. Since the early days of the pandemic, Glide shifted from a congregate meal service model to a meals to go service model. Providing meals to go ensures that individuals who rely on their services have safe and continued access. With the persistence of the pandemic this year, providing meals to go remains necessary. And this also means that Glide continues to incur expenses they would not normally have. Glide is very effective at fundraising and leveraging resources for all of their services, including the free meals program. However, with the lingering pandemic now coupled with increasing raw food and production cost, Glide needs additional funding to support the packaging of meals to go so they can continue to meet the demand for nutrition support in the community. The $300,000 added to Glide's budget will support the use of biodegradable to-go containers and other expenses related to the packaging of the meals. Thank you for your time and consideration, and I am happy to answer any questions you might have about this modification at this time. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Any comments, questions from any of the commissioners on this item? And I think we've learned anything. I think we've just learned through all these presentations about the pandemic and uh, making sure people got the food they needed, how important those to-go meals were, especially in an, in an area where Glide serves. I, I think people being able to get breakfast is important and also lunch so that they were able to continue to work was one of the aspects to it. Very much, so, very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to say how we understand how important that is. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thank um, you and our providers across the board. They've done an amazing, amazing job over the last two years. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. right. Um, and so any, if there's no other comments from commissioners, uh, can we call for public comment on agenda item I? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on an agenda item I? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item I. We allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Okay, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item I? Commissioner Jung, it moved. Um, do we have a second? Second. From Vice President Spears. Um, hearing no, uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item I? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thanks, we have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you very much. 
Commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item J and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to enter into new grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of community ambassador services during the period of May 1st, 2022 through June 30th, 2024 in the combined amount of $591,668 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $650,834. And Hannah Blanton will be presenting this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman. My name is Hannah Blanton here today seeking your approval for two grant agreements to establish community ambassador programs with grantees Curry Senior Center and Southeast Asian Community Center. The community ambassador program is the first of its kind in our office and is a direct response to findings in the 2018 and also most recent Dignity Fund community needs assessment that indicate that parts of our service population are unaware of DOS program offerings and this lack of awareness directly contributes to their ability to participate. This is particularly the case in communities of color and subsets of the disability community as well as the LGBTQ plus community. To address this need and to increase awareness, DOS released RFP 962 for community-based ambassador services. The program design includes a staff of ambassadors that serve specific communities and are trained in DOS offerings so that they may refer and inform community members about beneficial programs. Ambassadors also engage community partners, which may be businesses or community leaders, and train and inform them of services so as to increase word of mouth referrals and further equip communities with information about DOS programs. Curry Senior Center will be, have, um, be having ambassadors serving the Vietnamese community as well as the Black African American community and the Chinese community. Southeast Asian Community Center will be serving the Vietnamese community. Our office shares immense pride in the programs we offer and truly believe in the impact of serv that services can have. I look forward to your approval on these programs so that more communities may become aware of our programming and receive the critical care and assistance that they may otherwise miss out on. Thank you for your consideration. I'm available for any questions. Okay, thank you so much, Ms. Blatton. Um, are there any comments or questions from the commission? Commissioner Jung. Um, one question, um, I noticed the in the materials, it indicates that uh, there should be a site, uh, where site map, let's see, where does it say this, uh, where services will be provided. So it basically is it being provided directly out of the main offices, which is uh, Curry on Turk Street and Southeast Asian Community Center on O'Farrell. Is that basically where the services will be provided or are there off-site locations? Because there was no site map attached to the material. Yeah, thank you for your question, uh, Commissioner Jung. Um, so the program offerings are citywide. And so what we're really trying to do is to get um, the ambassadors out into the community. So while there may be workshops at um, their office locations, the ambassadors are meant to be dispatched to other communities community hubs and other parts of the community so that they can um, provide those informations and referrals. So it's kind of like an on the road sort of deal as well as offerings of at their location sites. Okay, so, um, so at this point, you um, there isn't sufficient information about where else in the city they'd be 
providing the service? Where to be doing the outreach? So they won't be fixed site locations. So okay. really the idea is more of an informal referral process. So okay. more so like if there was a, an event or um, a religious service or different things like that, then they would create calendars as to what offerings there are for outreach and attend those events to provide those services at that time. So I hope I'm, I'm answering your question and kind of giving like a picture of really what we're trying to do is to have an opportunity for informal referral. A lot of our information and referral services are partnered in like case management or um, other more formal settings. And so by having ambassadors kind of woven into the community in different events or um, areas, then it's kind of offering a, a, a moment to reach people and not say like, hey, you have to enroll in this to find out more information about stuff. They're just kind of there and able to provide support and information. Okay. And you did mention uh, that this is actually um, the first um, yeah, this is our first our first yeah. shot at it. Okay. Um, like I said, it's it's kind of um, you know what with the dignity fund community needs assessment and the service and allocation plan set to follow. This is kind of something that we we develop and and try to see how that works out. And if um, you know, as we monitor these programs and their success, there might be something we look to replicate in other communities um, okay. if it's appropriate. Okay. I see. Yeah, I was, I was just a little, I uh, wasn't too sure because basically both of these um, uh, organizations are located in District 6. And how, why is limited just to District 6? You just answered my question. There are plans, potential yes, plans. Yes. To, to, they're, they're very close to each other, but there right. is plans to kind of explore outreach opportunities to other areas. And we're not focusing the, the, um, the services to that specific district. Okay, great. Thank you. Thanks of for explaining. My pleasure. Good questions, um, commissioners. Any other any other questions from uh, Commissioner Lum? Good morning. Um, are any of these uh, ambassadors ambassadors going to be uh, boss employees, or, or are they being uh, uh, a, a higher on? Are they only being funded by us and uh, hired by other organizations? Yeah, thank you for your question, Commissioner Lum. Um, so the 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 ambassadors are staffed by the the organizations that we're funding. They are a part of of those organizations, so they are not city employees. Okay, thank you. Okay. Any other questions from commissioners? If not, then if we could move to and call for public comment on item J. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item J? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item J. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Mr. Secretary, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. Great, then uh, that concludes the members of the public uh, hearing no further request to speak on the item will close public comment. Is there a motion on item J? So moved. And a second from uh, motion and second from Commissioner Jung. Motion was by Vice President Spears. And um, did you, was this question? No. To do with no. Finish this. Okay. Um, then could we do a roll call please on this item J? 
President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Uh, yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you, it's a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much. And did you have a question for uh, Ms. Blanton or just in general? No, I just have a question in general and it's probably to um, Executive Director Thurman. It really has to do with the redistricting that is happening mm -hmm. and how we think that will impact I'll call it all of the contracts from, from DOS uh, going forward and, and how will those come back to the commission or will they just transition appropriately? So uh, thank you for the question. I believe that they will just transition appropriately and when we get more information on exactly what it means for our contracts, I'm happy to bring it back. But for the moment, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and um, we'll see where the gaps are based on the new map. Okay, thank you so much. It's just, a, I should have asked that earlier, yeah. um, but I, I wrote myself a note and then looked at it. Yeah. <laughs> I think what we're saying is what what we were talking about in terms of District 6 is actually District 5 now, right? Right. New so, 5, yeah. So that, but that the area would remain the same the report would indicate a different district, right. right? The area remains the same. The right. lines are just different. And right. we will continue to serve all those that we serve, but clearly make adjustments as appropriate. Okay. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. Sure. We'll be talking about District 5 a lot now. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Any announcements? No. All right. Well, then, once again, thank you all for hugging the microphone. Um, I think I did the worst, but everyone else did better than me. But I apologize. People couldn't hear me all the time. Uh, thank you for bearing with this. This is just our second in-person in uh, meeting. So we're still uh, figuring out the technology and how to, how to use it to make sure we incorporate everyone into this meeting. Uh, so I just will say we are stand adjourned uh, at this time. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.